that was creating a little bit of rapids. So he jumps past it into this deeper section. Now, not so deep. It was, it was deep for him, but I still could have stood in it. So it was probably four feet. So he jumps after his hoodie, and at this spot, it's the fastest part of the river, and it's the deepest part of the river, and it's freezing cold. So he jumps in, realizes this is very different than the spot he was just in because he can't feel the bottom. And the water, because of the rocks, is going really fast into him. So he's treading water. He turns towards me just with sheer terror on his face, just terrified. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father Podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. We're back from vacation. We went to the Shenandoah Valley, the Shenandoah National Forest, went on Skyline Drive, went all around Virginia to the Ray Caverns, a bunch of different things. And I'm just going to recap our vacation because lots of impactful moments happened, lots of great lessons happened that I took note of, parenting lessons, marriage lessons, business lessons, personal lessons, um, lessons about my identity, my group, and lots of amazing things I can pull, I was able to pull some wisdom from because I was intentional about writing these things down. Like, hey, that was a big moment. And I got stories to share. My son almost fought, um, getting washed down the Shenandoah River, chasing his hoodie, and all kind of good stuff. So I'm just going to get started. I made a big list of just different vacation moments. And some of these things are going to be me just recounting and working through them live for you guys here. None of this is like pre-planned or scripted. I'm just, I have some, a list of different moments that happen. I'm just going to talk through them, which is kind of stream of consciousness for you guys. And I might come to some conclusions live here as I'm talking through them, which I like to do. And that's kind of how I work is I like to just, I have a vague idea and I can continually narrow that idea down. I have this thing called live transcribe on my phone where I just can talk and it just, it's Android. Sorry, Apple users. It just takes down every single thing I say, every single noise it hears, it just writes it down. So sometimes if I have just a feeling that I'm trying to, I might think, well, there's, there's a lesson in there. There's, there's, there's this feeling I have. I need to pull the, the concept, the lesson from it. I'll just talk about it for 30 minutes into this live transcribed thing, like while I'm doing dishes in the kitchen or I'm outside cutting grass, something. And then eventually I'll just go through my notes. I'll look at all the words and sentences, and I'll just cut some sentences out, cut some words out, narrow it down. And eventually at the end of it, I might have a couple sentences of coherent thought. Um, so that'd be kind of like what this is. So I'll just be talking about different moments that happened on vacation. And one of the craziest ones was my son jumping after his hoodie down the river. But first, before that, I'll just give you some background. So we went to the Shenandoah Mountains. This is, you know, it's fall, it's October. We got back yesterday, October 25th, and we were gone for a week. Went to this really nice modern farmhouse in Luray, Virginia. So if you want to know where we went, um, I can send you the link because these people, these Airbnb owners, deserve a lot of credit because they made this amazing place. This great farmhouse had a, a shed they converted into like a little cedar lodge. And then there was right next to a farm. There's cows and baby cows running around. And my wife's dream has always been to go on vacation in the fall. But she's a teacher, and she's only allowed to take off 
certain days. You might say, yeah, well, you get the summers off. Yeah. So you get the summers off, kind of, but then during the year, you're only allowed to take certain days off. You have d sick days and personal days, but the school limits your ability to take days off. You can't take, a, you can't take all your days. And it's, you might think it's unfair. I agree. Um, but we were able to, because I'm not teaching anymore, I was able to I can take a vacation wherever I want. So I said, all right, let's do it right here in the fall. And she was able to coordinate with her human resources people to be able to get almost a full week off. She took five days off of work. She had to combine sick days and personal days and do all kinds of stuff. And she, the max she was able to take was like five. So we combined that with the weekend. We were almost out of about a week. So we went out to these, uh, to the Shenandoah uh, National Forest, found this amazing modern farmhouse next to, like five minutes next to the entrance of the National Park. And this is my wife's dream vacation, is being out in the mountains where there's a lot of beautiful leaves in the fall. So we made it happen. We were never able to do this before until I quit my job and we were able to honestly afford something like this. So... We're able to, I was able to provide for my family in that way, happy I was able to do that and make this dream of my wife's come true. So it was a uh, you know, week before her birthday, and just, she's gonna have, she had an amazing time. So through this, it was me, my wife, my two kids, and we brought our dog. It was dog-friendly, and huge yard. The dog was able to run around, jump in the stream, and just go crazy, chase birds and squirrels and everything. So even the dog had an amazing time. And what I love about the mountain vacations is the amount of things you can do. Beach vacations are great if you know for but I vastly prefer a mountain vacation because on a beach vacation you're kind of stuck. You go to the blazing hot beach, you sit on a chair, you might jump in the waves if you want to do that. You know, typically you drink on the beach for a little bit, then go back to the house and you just eat. So it's, it's beach vacations are kind of like eating and sitting and whatever else you fill in the gaps in there. But I vastly prefer a mountain vacation because these overlooks were unreal and there's hiking and horseback riding and ATVs and Jeep ride and you can go golfing and you can anything you want. Like you, The mountains are just full of adventure and lots of different things you can do. So we both prefer the mountains. So we went out there and one of the first things that happened was kind of like a parenting lesson. Because it's a five-hour drive, which isn't that bad. So it was a, from where we live, about five hours to get down there. And my kids started picking on each other. You know, they start. We don't let them go on iPads and and switches the entire ride down there because I want them to learn how to communicate. If if they're just staring at an iPad screen, yeah, it's great for me, my wife, because it's quiet and it's more convenient and it's less chaotic. But also, they are not learning how to communicate with each other. Whenever I was growing up, I come from a, a big family, eight brothers and sisters. We had a huge station wagon, and all of us were just smashed into the station wagon. And me and my brothers would sit in the very back seats, all facing the road, all facing backwards. And, you know, we'd be fighting some. We'd get yelled at some. But we'd also we'd just grab car magazines from Giant Eagle from the grocery stores. And we'd pick out our favorite cars. We'd find games to play. And through boredom, we were creative. We talked to each other. We were able to connect and we were able to create our own imaginative games because we were forced to. It was either that or you just sat there in silence. So there's something good about boredom. You know, it's it's good to be bored. It's not 
I don't think it's good to be, constantly have a stimulus in your eyes and brain at all hours of the day that takes all of the work from your own brain. Because whenever you're staring at a TV screen, your brain's not doing any work. It's, just, it's being fed. But whenever you don't have that, whenever you, whenever you don't have that screen feeding you information, you have to create it on your own. You have to create your own fun. So I want my kids to have to do that. I also want them to connect with each other. I want them to learn you know, things about each other that they wouldn't know otherwise. I want them to understand how to talk to each other. I want them to, I honestly want them to fight and learn how to work it out. Because whenever you're sitting right next to someone for five hours and they're picking on you, or they're poking you or doing whatever, or in my son's case, trying to get you in a chokehold, and you want them to stop, you have to learn how to tell them to stop in the appropriate, strong way. You have to learn how to stick up for yourself. And the other person has to learn why that's not okay. Look, you hurt their feelings. Do you want to be someone who hurts people's feelings? And all these lessons can happen without, if you're not staring at a screen. Um, so this is a situation that intentionally I, we put them in so that they can have these lessons. Yes, it's worse for us because they can, that can devolve into shouting and them intentionally making each other upset so that they can make us upset. Or you know how it goes. One sibling will cause the other sibling to do something knowing that the parents will yell at that sibling trying to get the other person in trouble and it's just like a cascading revolving door of, of mind games that the kids play but through this there were times when someone went over the line and a parent had to step in and this is something I've really been working on so this is this is an important parenting lesson that I am working on maybe you can take something from it and that is when I am disciplining my kid, do so without judgment. So if Lauren does something that is particularly cruel to Nathan, you know, says something that is biting and, and is like bullying or is really mean, not saying she did this, but if she did, then I need to discipline her. I need to reprimand her. I need to correct that behavior, especially if Nathan's not handling it well. She has to know quickly and abruptly that that was not a good thing to do. So an easy thing to do is to have an emotional reaction to that where I am letting my emotions dictate how I'm talking to her. And the tone of voice I use, my facial expressions, the words I use are all dictated by the emotion I'm feeling, which is you know, disgust and um, just pure disappointment in, in my child at that moment. So if I let that come through and with my voice and face, that is a very judgmental action. That is something that, you know, that is an experience she could have to where she sees her father and she has this, this realization of, oh my gosh, my, my father thinks I am this person. You know, for the, for, her, for the first time in her life, if I came down on her really hard and I had this judgmental tone in my voice, I had this judgmental look on my face, my daughter might have the first time in her life think, my dad thinks of me that way where for the past eight years he's called me princess, called me, you know, said I'm those beautiful things and I'm just perfect and, and blah, 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 but now he's just looking at me with disgust. That doesn't need to happen. I don't need to do that. I can correct the behavior with a non-judgmental strategy. So for me, it's stern and strong, no judgment. I can say, I can correct the behavior sternly, abruptly, and with strength, confidently, without having any judgment, any judgment in the tone of my voice, any judgment in my face, 
or any of those things. Because whenever I do that, when I have that judgment in me projected onto the kid, I'm doing more than correcting behavior. I'm making them think that them as a person is less than. I'm making them think that they as a person are flawed in some way. And they, the kid then thinks that the parent thinks of them in this negative way. And most likely they think that the parent thinks of them in this negative way all the time. When your parent says good job, it feels good. But whenever your parent says bad job, that was stupid or something like that or or why would you do that? That's an evil thing to do. That's cruel. That's you know, when you have these judgmental experiences with your kid, they think about that for a long time and it lives with them in the pit of their stomach. They just those insults to your kid that get personal stay with them longer than the compliments do. And it's hard to take those back. It's hard to undo that permanent damage that can be done. So I don't want that to happen. Because I know that kids are going to do kid things. Whenever a kid says something, you know, you could think it's cruel or evil or mean. Sometimes they're just experimenting. Sometimes they're just experimenting with how they say things, the tone of their voice, what they say, the words they say, the sounds bouncing off things. Sometimes they're just literally experimenting with themselves. Like, oh, this is what it's like to be mean today. You know, I'm a nice person. What if I said something mean? What does that feel like? And they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. They're trying to define their identity. They don't know who they are right now. And I understand that about kids. So, honestly, it's the same thing as whenever you're training a dog. It has to be quick, abrupt. They have to relate the consequence to the behavior. If you have too much time in between, the relationship between the discipline and the behavior that caused that discipline is gone. So it has to be strong, abrupt, no judgment, over. You look for um, remorse in the kid. The kid's showing remorse. Good. Over with it. Go back to love. And that's what it is. I had that. I had to do that with my daughter. I had to do that with my son, um, with my dog. And there's a lot of similarities. Obviously, you're going to do the dog differently. But um, it needs to be quick right after the behavior that happened. Stern, strong, and no judgment, which can be hard. Because whenever your kid is doing something that really annoys you, that you've told them a hundred times not to do, and they're doing it again, just you got to remember, man, their brain's not fully developed. They're a little kid. Like they're five, seven, nine, eleven years old. You did stupid stuff when you were 18 and into your 20s. You know, these kids are in the single digits. At least my kids are. You know, they just, they're doing stupid stuff. They're experimenting. They're throwing shit at the wall, seeing what sticks. They're seeing what, can, what buttons they can push for yours. And even if they're pushing your buttons, you still have to remain strong and stoic. You still have to be the emotional rock. You have to be the lighthouse no matter what, no matter what they're saying to you. And I made a post about this months ago that went viral because people had differing opinions on it. Some people said, yes, I agree with you. Other people said, no, when your kid's hurling insults at you, then you should, you know, you should have an emotional reaction. They should see you be human and freak out at them. And I just disagree. I, don't, I just don't agree with that. I don't think that your children should see you acting like a child. It may happen, and if it happens, it happens. Nothing you can do about it. It happened. It's regretful that it happened. But you can prepare for that and you can not want it to happen and do things that stop it from happening so practicing emotional control mastering yourself 
being disciplined, being able to say no to things, being able to make yourself do hard, punishing things over and over again are ways that you can you can master your discipline and your emotions in ways that you can control your emotion. If you live your life seeking pleasure, choose the easy road and you know live sloppily, I used to, then it's easier to not have control over your emotions because you are living your life via emotion. So you're more likely to, to snap, you're more likely to flip your lid, to lose your patience, get frustrated with people, and have an emotional response. Because you're just living via chemical, with via dopamine responses in your body. You have no willpower. You're not really in control of yourself. Chemicals are in control of you. So you want to get to the point where you can, it doesn't matter what people are saying to you. You are you, no matter what, no matter where you are. All right, so one of the things that happened towards the end of the week was involving my son in a river, the Shenandoah River. So it was the last full day, and we asked our kids, we said, what do you guys want to do before the last full day? So the night before the last full day, we said, what do you guys want to do? Nathan, what do you want to do? Lauren, what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, what's the one thing you wanted to do on vacation that we didn't do yet? We did a lot of things I wanted to do. We did a lot of things your mom wanted to do. What is one thing you guys wanted to do that we have not done? And they both said, almost in unison, horseback riding. They both really wanted to ride horses. So I said, okay, let's see if we can do that. And because it was late, I said, all right, well, if it's too late to schedule horseback riding, what's the second thing you want to do? And they said, go fishing. And they both, for the first time in their lives, were both on complete agreement in both things. So the next day happened. I called around, found a great place. It was about 30 minutes away. And that was at 3 o'clock. And it was only 8 a.m., so I said, we have all this time. It's a beautiful day out. It's sunny. It's high 50s, low 60s. It's, uh, you know, the leaves are amazing. We have to use this last day here. I don't want to just sit around at the house. So let's go fishing. Let's do both things you guys wanted to do. And there's a small lake right by our place that's man-made. It was okay. It wasn't that impressive. And then there's the Shenandoah River 20 minutes away from us. So... My kids want to go to the lake. I said, nope, we're going to the Shenandoah River. So I let them choose the activity, but I knew how picturesque and amazing the Shenandoah River is. And I knew that if we went there, memories would be created. Things would happen that I have no control over. Like Things would happen at this river that were going to be beautiful, maybe dangerous, maybe scary, but memorable. Things that we're all, we will all be able to look back on and say, man, I remember that part of vacation. If we're just standing around a little man-made lake, you know, and catching trout or whatever, that, that's not memorable. But the Shenandoah River and, you know, winding its way through mountains and just fall leaves everywhere, yes, that can be amazing. And I also wanted the dog to be able to run around the river and just have a blast. So we drive there. No plan as to where to go. I have no destination. I just pulled up Google Maps saw the river, and drove to it. So it doesn't take 20, 25 minutes to get to a point in the river. Obviously, the river is very long. You can go to any point. So I just went a straight line straight to the river and said, well, let's see what happens. Leave it up to God. I'm going to leave it up to the universe. Let's just see if something amazing happens here. And I just drove that way. And we do a lot of this kind of stuff on our vacation. Like me and my wife, we are not planner planners for our vacation. We'll plan a great vacation, but we're not people that, 
you know, every single 30 minutes is planned with something. Like I'm not time blocking my vacation. I want, I want to see what happens because that way I usually find better restaurants and better experiences usually just pop up. So I said, let's see what the universe provides as I drive towards the river. So we drove towards the river, went over this beautiful bridge, and right on the other side of the bridge was a beach, a man-made beach going right into the river, a boat dock, a, you know, a, a boat ramp, a place where people could take their boats down, and a huge parking lot and a concrete walk bridge that went across the river for you to fish on. It's old. Part of it was falling apart, but you could get up onto it. So I said, this is better than I could have even imagined. Like this is, I was planning on just driving down the highway next to the river, pulling off onto the curb and walking through the woods down to the river and doing that. But this was made for people to to have a great time and mess around with. So I said, all right, well, this is perfect. As soon as I went to the river, God provided the perfect spot for us. I wasn't planning it at all. Had I found a spot and planned it, it wouldn't have been as great as this one. So I just let the universe provide to me, and it did. No planning, just drove towards the river, found an amazing spot. So we pulled down there. Immediately, boom, the kids fling open the doors. They go running towards the river. They've never seen anything like this, and it is so beautiful. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll post some, some pictures on my stories and stuff. But you go down to this wide river. It's not deep. It only get it only the spot we were at only went to about I don't know four feet deep. You could walk in it for most of the part, and my kids just start running around, exploring everything, throwing rocks in, you know, looking at all the trees, and then we just start bolting across this concrete fishing bridge. It was made for fishing, so we go all the way across it, and you can just stand in the middle of the river. The river's going underneath you, and in front of you is the bridge. Past that is just winding mountains, all covered in fall leaves. One of the most picturesque parts of the entire vacation on the last day, completely unplanned, and we just drove to it. We found this amazing moment. So my wife had 30 pages of this book she wanted to finish. So she, she doesn't really care about fishing, so she grabbed a chair, sat in the middle of the bridge, and was just sitting there in the breeze. Like I said, it was the upper 50s, low 60s. You know, she was dressed all in her fall gear, just sitting there reading a book, just soaking in the, her fall vacation on the last day. I grabbed some fishing equipment, some fishing poles. We went out, and then we didn't have, because this was so unplanned, we didn't have any fishing bait. I had some, like, rubber fishing lures and things that, you know, fake fishing bait, which never has never really worked for me. And at, I, I shit you not, I'm walking towards this fishing bridge, and there is a container of live bait with almost full of worms. There were worms, they were tinted green. Someone, like, dyed them green. I've never seen it before. but Or maybe they were just green worms. But there was a fishing, there's a container full of live fishing bait sitting right next to the bridge. I think a fisherman was there earlier in the day and just left it because he didn't use it so someone like me could come and use it. So I yelled out to Nathan. I said, Nathan, you won't believe this, man. We have worms right here. Because we've caught a lot of fish with worms around our house at the lake. But this is the Shenandoah River. I don't know what's out here. I didn't do any research. Like I said, we just ran out and did it. So we grabbed the worms. We got, we got some chairs. We got some fishing poles. We got into the middle of the river. And we just start fishing. Didn't catch anything. But at least we have worms. Fish grabbed the worms. Didn't get caught in the hook. We were probably using the wrong bait. Probably in the wrong spot. Wrong hooks. Everything was probably wrong. But it doesn't matter. 
we're having a beautiful time. My daughter was th- was casting, my son was casting, I was casting. It was just letting the universe guide us. No plan. We're just saying whatever happens, happens. This is going to be a beautiful time, and it did. And then my dog was running up and down around us. Then my kids walked around to the beach area, and Nathan took his shirt off. He's in his in his shorts, and he just starts swimming in this freezing cold mountain river. Then Lauren joins him. She just jumps in full, fully clothed, and we said we could have said we could have shut it down at that moment. And I've been on vacations with a lot of parents who would have shut that thing down because it would have been far too inconvenient for them to clean up their kids. But once again, I did not want to steal this moment from my children. If you're you're in the mountains, seven years old, nine years old, got a puppy with you, beautiful fall day. You should be at school, but your parents let you take off and go on vacation. And you're in this amazing, beautiful mountain river. Yeah, man, you just take your clothes off and you go swimming. Like it's like a it was like a Huck Finn moment. So damn beautiful, and they're just both in the river, just swimming around, screaming, laughing. Our dog Rusty's jumping around them, splashing them, and shaking himself, and they're screaming. It's just a beautiful, infinite moment, like a moment that would just last forever, seared into my brain. And on this particular day, I told. You know, everyone in my group, I told everyone, I said, I'm not doing anything on Instagram. I'm not doing anything today. I'm shutting the phone down. And I just was soaking in that memory. Excuse me. Um, so they had an amazing time down the down there at the beach. We had towels in the car, so they just dried off. They are a little wet, but it was sunny enough to where they just dried off on the bridge. It wasn't a big deal. Like I said, we could have shut it down, but I wanted them to have that that moment. So they came back on the bridge. And then me and Rusty Boy walked up a trail up the side of the river, and I saw a crane in the middle of the river on this rock ledge. So I said, I'm going to go out there and see if there's any fish. So me and Rusty hopped from rock to rock. We walked through the river, and the, the water went up to about my knees and thighs, so it wasn't that bad. Went to the middle, probably about 300 feet down from where my family was, and just kind of like stood in the river a little bit it was freezing cold looked around waved to my family came back then both my kids said they wanted to go out too so i go back both of my kids come with me we go to the exact same spot and we go all the way out there we're about to go into the river and lauren's terrified she's just scared she doesn't want to do it so i have to tell her that it's okay it's not that deep she's going to be fine finally i put her on my shoulder and I walk about 20 feet into the river, and then it gets really shallow. So I set her down, and she was able to walk. Nathan, before we get into the river, he has he's got his uh, took his shoes off, socks off. He had shorts on, but then he had this brand new hoodie we got him. And before we get into the river, I say, Nathan, take off your hoodie. It's going to get soaking wet. You don't need it. It's hot enough to where you're fine. And besides, you were just swimming around with your shirt off. And he says, No, I want my hoodie on. I said, Okay telling you take it off you're not going to want it he said no nah, i want to wear it i said okay so i just let him experience what is what i knew it was going to be like to have just a soaking wet really heavy freezing cold hoodie on so he could learn the lesson so we get out there we walk about 100 feet into the river it's freezing cold i had to help lauren sometimes around the rocks and lift her up different points put her down different points nathan did pretty good for the most part um, was able to walk all the way out. Rusty was with us. Rusty was 
shivering, freezing cold. He came out for the second time. He was jumping from rock to rock and then swimming in the river. He just wants to be biased at all times, so he was swimming right next to us. And we all get out to the middle. Nathan takes his hoodie off because it's soaking wet, freezing cold and heavy. And then he lo- he loses it and starts to starts to go down the river. So he's polluting this beautiful river with his Pokemon hoodie. It was probably Fortnite or something. Some for- No, it was a Simpsons hoodie. He had a Simpsons hoodie, and it was just floating down the river. And without saying anything, he jumps forward and jumps after his hoodie. And he jumps past the rock ledge we were. And there's like, you know, not really a ledge. It wasn't like a cliff. It was just all across the river were just a bunch of big stones. It was creating a little bit of rapids. So he jumps past it into this deeper section. Now, not so deep. It was it was deep for him, but I still could have stood in it. So it was probably four feet. So he jumps after his hoodie. And at this spot, it's the fastest part of the river. And it's the deepest part of the river. And it's freezing cold. So he jumps in, realizes this is very different than the spot he was just in. Because he can't feel the bottom. And the water, because of the rocks, is going really fast into him. So he's treading water. He turns towards me just with sheer terror on his face just terrified so scared because he has no control over himself forgets about his hoodie and i can see his face goes from laughter to terror and he's staring at me because he can't feel the bottom the water's going past him he's freezing cold now the water's up to his neck and his arms are outstretched towards me and behind him was probably ankle deep water he didn't know this because in a moment he was freaking out and he's probably in like a pool of 10-foot water that was all going straight down the river. And had he done nothing, two seconds later, he would have been on his butt in the gravel in the water. But in the moment, you know, he, he thinks he's going to die. He thinks he's going to drown. Because if he looks around, he's in the middle of a river that's raging over him. It's freezing cold, and his feet can't touch the bottom. And he doesn't know that behind him he'd be able to stand. So it was terrifying in the moment. And he's just, his arms are reached out to me. He's trying to reach... He's trying to get me. So I'm, I'm trying to calm him down because Lauren's next to me. I'm holding Lauren's hand because she's on a slippery rock. And then Nathan is out of reach of my hand who thinks he's going to die. And I have to let go of Lauren and try to help Nathan out. So I'm telling Nathan as he's in the water, I'm saying, man, you're fine. And I just got a smile on my face. I'm completely calm. I didn't freak out. I was going, Nathan, it's okay. You're going to be fine. I didn't do any of that. I just said, Nathan, you are fine, man. You're an amazing swimmer. Just tread water. And he calmed down. And then he got a little excited again. He got scared again. I said, Nathan, you are fine, buddy. You have nothing to worry about. I said, look behind you. If you're, if you, even if, I said, if you fall in, it doesn't matter. You're going to be standing in two seconds. And then out of nowhere, little Rusty comes running in like a a rescue dog. He was standing about 80 feet away from us because he was shivering and freezing, just waiting for us to leave. He he saw Nathan, ran across the rocks, ran through the river, dove from a rock in front of me right at Nathan. And then guess what? My little 30-pound puppy couldn't handle the current as well. So then Rusty starts treading water, floating down the river. So I grabbed Nathan with one arm, I grabbed my dog with the other arm. He was just like soaking wet, and he's moving his paws like he's still trying to tread water. So I'm holding this this writhing dog in one arm. I'm holding Nathan in the other arm, and 
I'm walking on these perfectly smooth rocks in in the river covered with wet slippery moss <laughs> in my in my Costco waterproof boots. But I managed to walk up these rocks to the shallow part where the water wasn't moving fast and safely put both of them down and throw my dog <laughs> into the, into the safer area of water. And Nathan said he was gone. We couldn't recover that. We didn't find it. It's probably, unfortunately, over a fish somewhere. Sorry. But it was an intense moment. You know, Nathan thought he was going to die. He, the way he, I've never seen him look at me like that before, where he just felt, he just looked completely helpless. And, you know, had us, had we been in a, a dangerous area, like, you know, in front of a waterfall, that would have been a really terrifying moment. But I knew that nothing, he wasn't in danger. Nothing could actually happen to him. He's a great swimmer. And had he completely lost control and let himself float, like I said, two seconds later, he would have been sitting on his butt in some rocks. But if to him, he was about to die. And he was able to calm himself down and not freak out. I was happy that I wasn't freaking out, that I was able to remain calm and uh, help him out and help my, my dog out as well. And, that, and then my daughter. So we both... And then about two minutes after the fact, we were all laughing about it, primarily because Rusty pretended he was a little rescue dog and ran and jumped into the water to try to save Nathan. Really, what Rusty would have done, he would have jumped after Nathan and started biting him probably and made it even worse. So he was able to get both of them out. And then we, we slowly walked back, went back to the, uh, to, the, to the beach, back out of the river, and everyone dried off. My wife because um, she's awesome, packed everything up in the car already, so we just dri- we just dried off and then went to the next location. So we went back home, we uh, dropped the dog off, and then we went horseback riding, the second area, the, pl- the thing that they really wanted to do. So we went out horseback riding, and again, just an amazing location in the mountains, this beautiful farm out there in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, no houses around. You just drive by yourself for 20 minutes in the middle. You just keep on go- winding up this huge mountain, and there's this beautiful horse farm in the middle of it. So I had my own horse. Sarah had her own horse. Lauren, my 7-year-old daughter, had her own horse. And Nathan, my 9-year-old son, had his own horse. And it was it was Nathan has had his own horse before, but Lauren never did. So for the very first time, Lauren was there on her own horse, and she did great. She did amazing. And the weather was perfect. The sun was perfect. We had a young guy for our guide. He's some college kid. He was super talkative and outgoing and friendly. He was right in front of Nathan, talking to Nathan the entire time, telling us stories about his travels. And this was one of those moments where I said, this moment is infinite. It will last forever. And I need to soak this in. I need to thank God for it. I need to be grateful for this moment right now. Because if this moment was heaven, I would be okay with that. I would be okay with, you know, living my life, dying, and then just being able to be be in this moment fully. Feel the cold breeze on me with the warm sun, with this insane kaleidoscope of fall leaves in front of me, and just with my see my wife smiling. Nathan confident on the on his horse looking back at me to make sure I saw him you know just being strong on his horse and Lauren on her horse by herself just kind of like nervously smiling and feeling super proud about herself 
like, man, what an amazing time this is that I'm in right now, just as a father. It's crazy how how privileged I am and how how grateful I am to, to be able to do that with my family and to be able to have the kind of family that I have. Just very little complaining the entire vacation, people pushing themselves to the limit physically and emotionally and battling fear and man but that but that moment was just so beautiful we had an hour-long horse ride up and down over streams up and down the mountain and came back took some pictures drove to a, a restaurant had dinner came home had a bonfire watched a movie and went to bed had a s'more it was an amazing amazing night at the bonfire i taught nathan how to build a you know cabin style bonfire and I let him squirt lighter fluid on because he you know as obviously every boy loves to squirt lighter fluid on the fire so I let him do that then Lauren wanted to do it so I let Lauren squirt lighter fluid on the fire and did some dangerous stuff but it was but we were careful so we had growth and told scary stories Nathan wanted me to scare him with a story so I told him a really scary story and he got really scared but man just that one day like that one day was just unreal from from beginning to end. And I mean, like I said, weather was perfect. Everything we did was perfect. And I, I won't forget it. That I took the least amount of pictures that day, but that day is the most seared into my head. That and whenever we went to Hawksbill, there's this overlook called Hawksbill. It's the highest point on the mountain that you can get to. And you... You go up to the top of the mountain, and it was really, really windy this day. There were wind advisories on the highway before you even get onto, onto the drive. It's called Skyline Drive. Before you even get onto the highway that leads up to the mountain, there's an advisory that says, be careful, it's very windy on the mountain. That's what the, the advisory said. So we went up to the highest mountain, of course. And you go out to the ledge, and there's just these granite outcroppings everywhere. And it's almost like little seats that let jut out into the into the abyss and the wind is ripping around you there were hawks that's why it's called hawksbill or maybe it looks like a hawksbill we're just flying everywhere and vultures were just playing in the wind and all these birds were flying into the wind and doing you know flips and just going crazy and it was so windy like you could in some areas you could barely stand but it was exhilarating because it was the highest point you could see for miles and miles and once again, sunny, beautiful weather. You look out and it's just fall leaves everywhere all over the mountains. And my kids just unafraid, wanting to go up down up to the ledge. And we're just sitting there, you know, legs hanging over. And it's just a magical moment. Just a magical moment with my family. You know, and then we're my kids are battling swords, pretending to be wizards, and I'm just there standing with my wife and give her a kiss and we're just like man we are we're so lucky right now we got to soak this in just absolutely soak it in so those are a couple moments man i got a list of like 15 things but we're already at 40 minutes here so i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up maybe i'll talk about some more later um yeah but yeah i got a lot of stuff to talk about about my vacation but those are those are three of the of the biggest lessons and takeaways Maybe I'll do some more podcasts and bring some of the family on. We can re uh, review some vacation moments. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. This is me talking about my, my past vacation. Um, 
If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give me a five-star review rating that helps this podcast get sent out to everyone wherever you listen to it. I really appreciate that. Um, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, anywhere, email, uh, preferably Instagram DM if you want to chat to me, chat with me about anything. And, hey, we'll see you on the next one, guys. Thanks.